Welcome to the Stellar Labs podcast, Future Learning Today. At Stellar Labs, our mission is to bust the technology skills crunch with effective, measurable, engaging training. We consult on, design, and deliver the technical and people skills and competencies you need in business. In these podcasts, you'll hear from industry experts and practitioners from the worlds of technology and training. They'll share their experience, insights, and inspiration, and their visions for the future with you. Keep listening to start your future learning here today. Welcome back to the Stellar Labs podcast, where we talk about all things learning and lots of things technology-based too. Today, I'm talking to Will Talheimer, who is president of Work Learning Research and has been one of my heroes for a really long time. Will, it's fantastic to have you here. Welcome. Thank you, Stella. I am delighted to be here. So we're just going to have a, a bit of a chat, really, about I'm, I'm really curious as to your thoughts about learning. I know you are very um, keen on making sure that we use evidence-based learning, research-based uh, evidence for learning. Um, but I'm really curious to find out, first of all, what, what is learning to you? Ah, that's well, such a deep question. <laughs> <laughs> so um, thank you for putting me on the spot. No, it's a great question. Uh, so uh, in some sense, when people learn, uh, they're sort of changing their cognitive structures, their knowledge base. Uh, they're changing the way they think about things. Uh, but learning is a funny word. Sometimes we think about learning as a process. Sometimes we think about learning as the product of that process. And there's a lot of confusion around that, and it doesn't really matter. Uh, I, I remember this great, great quote by B.F. Skinner, uh, education is what remains after what has been learnt has been forgotten. I remember and, that one. And I, I, I'm not really sure I know what that means, but uh, <laughs> it kind of makes you think. Uh, so, you know, in our field, in the L&D field, when we think of learning, we often think about uh, is somebody gaining some new information or skills or abilities or motivation that will help them perform better in their work or sometimes more broadly, we think in their lives as well. And uh, I think that's a fairly straightforward definition that we can use that will guide us in our deliberations about how we design, how we develop, how we implement uh, learning. Does that make does that make sense? Yeah. What have I what have I what have I left out? I mean, you know, I'd love your perspectives as well. For, for me, I'm really intrigued at the moment about sort of what I see as almost two sorts of learning. In fact, there's, there's probably three. One is the learning we do as children, which is very much developmental, and we almost can't help but do that. It's kind of genetically programmed. We're going to learn to speak a language. We're going to learn to walk. We're going to learn to you know, work with other people. Then you've got the learning that is, you know, you need to learn some skills. You need to have some fundamental skills in life from, you know, tying your shoelaces to cybersecurity um, specialist. And I think that's a slightly different sort of learning to the other sort of learning that we tend to do at work, which is based around the experiences we have and the people we become. And I think some of them are often delivered formally, some of them are informally, and really what you're really looking for is a really good blend. 
but I'm kind of interested in this. You know, are we are we looking at learning as as what we see, the, what we learn from our experience? But how is that different from what we learn? Because we need to have a, some kind of skill for something. And how do they all fit together? Oh yeah, and it's really complex, right? Because sometimes we learn unintentionally. Yeah. We do, we don't even try to learn. We are just you know human beings, uh, and perhaps all animals to some extent are pattern recognizers. We have to uh, look out into our environment, not only look visually, but hear and sense as well, and sort of make sense of that. And then sort of develop an understanding of what it means. Like if you uh, are a, uh, a morning dove and you see a shadow above you, uh, it could be a hawk. You might need to get the hell out of there, right? Um, if you're a human being and you see somebody's expression change on their face uh, to something more worried, you have to recognize that and be able to think about, well, what does that mean? And that has, a lot of that happens automatically uh, without our conscious uh, you know, knowledge. You know, you hear about this uh, mirroring other people. Like if you're talking to someone and they're folding their arms, you might fold your arms as well. And you don't do this consciously. Now, some some people do it consciously, but most of us do it unconsciously. So what is that? Well, we've clearly learned that, but that's not intentional. It's not conscious. Um, you know, learning is very <laughs> complex because we're not just learning about skills and knowledge and that kind of thing. We're, we're learning about emotions and uh really deep patterns and sometimes we don't even recognize what we're learning so yeah I, I really <laughs> I mean it's really kind of wondrous when you think about it it's amazing but what we do learn is incredible and what we avoid learning sometimes I think sometimes we we try really hard not to learn something and there may be times when we really want to learn something but actually it's really really difficult Oh, absolutely. And then there's habits. You know, there's yeah. a lot of talk now about habits and how, you know, human beings are not as proactive as we'd like to think of ourselves, that we are cued or prompted or nudged by environmental cues. Um, so, for example, I'm in the middle of cleaning our washing machine out because it's got a little mold in it. And I just uh, sprayed some isopropyl alcohol on it like half an hour ago, and I'm going to let it sit there. But then I thought to myself, well, I need to remind myself that I did that. So I took the bottle of isopropyl alcohol, I put it on the bottom of the stairs, the bottom of my office. So when I walk out to go to lunch, I'll remember, oh, I've got to go finish my job. So that kind <laughs> of prompting mechanism is, uh, you know, really valuable. You know, there's a, I remember this other type of memory. Uh, called prospective memory. And there's actually research on this, but it's the, it's the memory to do something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of what we do in our work as learning professionals is to help people um, think about what they're going to do in the future. And that prospective memory is sort of what we want them. You know, we want them, if they're a manager in a meeting, we want them to remember that they need to get the buy-in of everybody to get the ideas from everyone, to design the meeting and talk about things in a way that inspires other people to share and to generate ideas, et cetera. Um, 
So that perspective memory idea is really valuable. You know, I've been talking about two types of memory that we do in training and development, and I'm certainly oversimplifying, but uh, one is what I call transfer learning. And what that means is that we are transferring knowledge from an instructor to our learners or from a body of materials, say in an e-learning course or a book or whatever, to our learners. You know, so the, the knowledge gets transferred, understood, processed, uh, that kind of thing. But there's another kind of learning I think is really valuable, and we don't really think about this. And I call it insight learning. So if we have an insight about something, you know, all of a sudden we think, oh, my gosh, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. That, that is learning. Mm -hmm. Now, oftentimes we as trainers or instructional designers learning architects, we don't, we don't design that into our program because we're thinking transfer learning. We're thinking about what can I get them to know, right? We have these learning objectives. We don't have insight objectives. We don't set up our learning interventions in a way to generate this, these creative insights. Um, but I think there's a lot we can draw from the creativity research to support people in having uh, creative insights um, as we train them, and maybe not as part of training, maybe as part of helping our managers. Like I think a lot of, I've been thinking recently about uh, leadership training and how that can be valuable. Like the leaders should probably be um, supported in helping people learn and not just in helping people get this tr you know, transfer of knowledge, but also to have creative insights as well. Anyway, I've been going on for a long time. <laughs> well, it was just, uh, no, what you're saying is really interesting because I had a conversation with um, Inga Devard last week, who's over here in Belgium, and she was talking very much about how you actually need um, some kind of basic skills in order to have those kind of insights. You actually need some knowledge first very often. So I think sometimes you can give people Knowledge, and, and I really like the idea of bringing knowledge in from different areas and giving people access to information, and then kind of pick and choose from it, and from that, begin to identify their insights. But I think the insights often need time, and, and in a lot of you know e-learning and, and you know even classroom face-to-face -face virtual classroom, there isn't a lot of time for the for the reflection for the insight piece to happen. So I think when you have training and it's spread over time better. Then I think that and, and, you know actively encourage reflection, actually allow people time to just you know sit back and think, you know have conversations, but not directed conversations, just kind of what do you think of that? And I think that's when those insight moments are more likely to happen. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and it's really interesting because in the creativity research, they talk about, I forget the words that they use, uh, but they talk about it's not enough to have, uh, a bunch of unique ideas. You need to have unique ideas that are uh, valid, relevant, true, useful. Uh, and to do that, you just can't, uh, you, you, it takes expertise, as you said. Um, you need to immerse yourself in a body of knowledge so that the ideas that you come up with are likely to have uh, a positive impact. However, if you're an expert in a field, that's not enough for creativity. You sort of have to go on the boundaries of your field um, 
to really bring in those creative ideas. You have to have the solid foundation. I mean, we've all seen people who come up with these wild ideas. I've seen it in the learning field all the time, wild ideas that are completely irresponsible, <laughs> off target. Um, they're going to send us down some rabbit holes that we don't want to go down. Uh, so it does help to have expertise, but then you have to broaden your expertise and bring in new information outside your area of expertise if you want to sort of bring these disparate ideas. And let's think about this. You need to, to do this, you need to bring two ideas into working memory that weren't connected before, mm -hmm. right? And when you connect them, that's the insight. And so how do you do that? How do you get people to think beyond what they normally think, but think in a way that's useful, productive, et cetera? And I think that's one of the joys of social learning, isn't it? That you can actually pick up something from somebody else that was, you know, completely serendipitous. It wasn't planned or prepared, but suddenly they come in with something that perhaps your mind is is ready to take on. I think there's probably a level of readiness. And they just come in with something. And then those two ideas together create something, you know, beautiful and harmonious. Or at least as a new idea, <laughs> even if it's not beautiful that's, and harmonious. Right. Oh, well, Absolutely. You know, the creativity research, I'm really, I'm really excited about it. Um, I, I haven't looked at it in a while, but, you know, the one, one thing they talk about is, okay, so once you have an idea, you sort of have to vet it. And you have to sort of make sure it's okay. You know, you do that with other people through that social aspects. Hey, you know, I have this idea. Tell me what you think. And they tell you. And then you go, oh, well, <laughs> bad idea or oh, it's a good idea, but I need to tweak it. Um, and then that's not enough either because if you have a new idea, you have to then uh, convince other people, persuade them, uh, and it takes a, a while, and there's resistance to new ideas. So to be successful in having um, an insight that you can actually put into practice is not just about creating insights, but it's also about thinking about how to be a change manager, uh, managing stakeholders, persuasion, persevering over time, because it may yeah. take time. Yeah, um, there's Sales a lot skills. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, we've just made learning far more complicated than perhaps it was before. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> now, I know, Will, that you're really kind of um, very focused on making sure that we transfer learning into the workplace. Within, within an L&D context, I'm quite sure you're perfectly happy in your private life learning stuff just because it seems like it's fun. But I think at work, it's really important that we transfer it. So what are your sort of top top takeaways for people who really need to get their learning transferred into work? Well, let's think about the causal pathway. So first, uh, we need to be, we need to comprehend this new information, take it in, uh, process it properly. Uh, we have to make sure it's vetted. Um, but then we also need to be able to remember it. And you know, yeah. when we do when we do learning design, we can do certain things to support that effort. So things like providing people with realistic practice, uh, spaced repetitions, um, some triggering mechanisms as well, um, so that we remember it uh, later. And and then that's not enough. We have to be motivated, and then we have to maybe have a social support system or a resource resource support system and time and all that stuff. So it's really a, it's a process. Um, you know, the, I did recently released a uh, review of the transfer research. 
And uh, one of the things I'll say right off is I was a little bit disappointed. The quality of the transfer research I thought was better. It's not as good as we'd like it to be. There's still some good, strong recommendations, um, but uh, it, it could be better. The, the researchers need to go beyond getting people's subjective inputs about it. Um, but still, there's some good stuff and recommendations. So like the support of one's manager yeah. in, a, in a workplace. Uh, very important, not just afterwards, but before and during, um, you know, providing resources and time and permission and uh, coaching. Um, there's, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. I think there's a very interesting stuff around the environment people go back into and how supportive not just the manager is, but how supportive the environment is for whatever that new idea they've just learned. Because if it's something that's really new and yet it hasn't kind of worked its way into the the culture of the organization, they may they may be completely committed and and super keen to to use this new knowledge, new skills, whatever it might be. But they may find that the the environment is constantly preventing them from doing that. And, and unless they're incredibly persistent, the chances are they'll fall back into old ways. Yeah. Yo, Robert, I don't care what you learned in training. Here we do it this way. Absolutely. <laughs> but I think it's the subtle things. It's not just that. It's the subtle things in the environment that are often preventing you from taking the action you may need to take. And, you know, it's like you putting the, the bottle at the bottom of the stairs are people getting those subtle cues all the time that are saying, go the new way? Or are they getting more cues that are saying, no, 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 just carry on doing what you always did? Oh, absolutely. Well, and there's structures in place, too, that sort of nudge us to keep doing what we've always been doing. Which keeps yeah. us safe. Yeah, it keeps us safe, but keeps us stuck as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it's and there's, there's, there's a bunch of different uh, aspects to this. So you take it back. And there is the sort of responsibility for the system. Um, the system has an influence, right? So we as learning and performance professionals can think about, are we creating the system in such a way that when people do go back, they're supported, right? And, and we, have, we don't have direct control over that, but we may have influence. If we can persuade the managers that they need to do a couple, you know, a few things to help support this, uh, we can make sure that when people go back, they have the resources, et cetera. So that's one side of it. The system impacts, and we can have some influence over those. But there's also the learner or employee, uh, their ability. And we can do things as well. So we can help them by supporting their memory, by giving them job aids, you know, performance support. We can also support them perhaps in being more resilient. Yeah. And uh, inoculating them against obstacles. Now, that's one thing a, a lot of us don't think about. But, you know, we should, as learning professionals, sort of have a sense of what kind of roadblocks they might come up against. That should then, really be the end of every training, shouldn't it? What challenges yeah. might you face and how are we going to help you get around them? Exactly. Yeah. Let, let them brainstorm. You know, you bring some stuff in. Uh, yeah, that's uh, they're going to face obstacles. Everybody faces obstacles. And uh, so if we can prepare people for that, they're going to be much more likely to persevere. So uh, we're nearing the end of this fascinating conversation that I could probably dive deeper into in all sorts of ways. But what I'd really like to know is what do you think is the, the future for us in terms of learning within, a, within the business and work context? 
Where do you think it's wow. going? Well, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not, I, it's, it's hard. You know, I, I know from experience that it's impossible to predict the future. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll tell you the future that um, I'd like to see. That's a good one. And uh, I've actually been, I've got like 90% of a book written called The CEO's Guide to Training, E-Learning, and Work, Reshaping Learning into a Competitive Advantage. And in that book, I'm hoping to create a better uh, interface between our, our business or organizational stakeholders and us on the learning team. I feel like a lot of the issues we have are because that relationship is broken, that our uh, organizational stakeholders, they don't really understand learning. And because of that, they don't really ask us for what uh, we can do. And we think that we should frame everything from their perspective in terms of business terms, et cetera. And uh, we almost sort of forget that we have a profession. We are learning professionals and we have certain uh, very strong uh, skill sets that we can provide. And so I'd like to help us understand each other better. And I think that will open up a myriad of possibilities. And I think there's probably be a huge amount of people cheering you on the sidelines there. <laughs> <laughs> Will, uh, thank you very much. It was really great to, to chat to you again. And um, of course, we're looking forward to continuing to work with you. Stella, it's my pleasure. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Please share it with your friends and colleagues and visit our website, stellalabs.eu, to learn more about what we do and how we do it. Tune into the next episode.